Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. That's next next week, which is exciting stuff. And then after that, we are launching our third service, so it's incredible. Um, We're starting third service Saturdays at 6 p.m. That's the week after next, so make sure you mark your calendars there. If there's a time you can't make it till Sunday morning, the third service is uh, it's cool. It's a, a little bit different setting that'll be a little bit more uh, a little more intimate and even being able to connect and engage a little more as well. So I want to challenge you to do that. If you know people that, that can't make it on Sunday mornings but would love to be a part of this, or if you're Facebook Live right now and you want to be a part of it, again, Saturdays is starting uh, September 21st. So we're excited about these things. And really, this is why we're in this middle of the series, the big ask. Because this is a time where, man, we should be asking people to, to be a part of church, to jump in with us. So what we're doing through this series is we're, we're taking some time to really raise the, the thermometer, raise the temperature and the awareness of outreach and evangelism. Right? That's the big ask. And when we hear that, when we hear that though, I think there's some times where it may be a little bit frightening, right? It may be a little scary. And when we hear the words outreach, we think, man, what do we have? What do I have to offer? When we hear the word evangelism, we think, okay, that's just a, that's a little too much pressure on me. Like, how can I do this? And really, when we hear those, we think, you know what? That's somebody else's job. We hear outreach, we think, okay, that's the job for, that's a, that's a missionary's job. That's what they're called to do, right? Or we think, oh, that's a ministry. That's why some ministries exist. It's for that whole purpose. Or when we hear the word evangelism, we think that that's a traveling speaker for big events. We think that that's somebody on television. Like, we can't do that. But the truth is, we're all called to do this. Right? We're called to, to, to be a part of outreach, to, to play a part in evangelism. It's, it's what we're called to do. And really, this series, I'm hoping to, to take some of that pressure, to take some of that scary portion off. I'm hoping to, to relieve some of that, right? And really, it comes down to two things, what we learned last week, is that we are called to invite and invest. In our lives, we're called to invite and invest. Again, that's what we're called to do as Christians. That's what we're called to do as a church. We're not called just to get a yes. We're not called to to keep a tally system of how many people we've invited to church, how many people we've led to the Lord. We're just called to invite and invest in others. In fact, we see this from Jesus' his, his teachings from the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. Again, this is the main passage of Scripture, which is the, the underlying current of this whole entire uh, series. But Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. And if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the Version Bible, which is an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. But again, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus, he had died on the cross, right? He had conquered death. And then he'd come back up to spend some time with his disciples. He'd come back up to spend some time with his followers and really give some last instructions to them and to us. And this is what's known as the Great Commission, and he says this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Right, the go portion of that, that's the invite portion. The baptize, it says baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the invite portion, right? Inviting them into a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying invite who? Invite all nations. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word all nations, that means everybody, right? That's everybody. If we know somebody, we're called to invite them, right? We're called to bring them in. We're called to, to bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to lead them to him. And then not only that, it says go and make disciples. 
Listen, the discipleship process is a long process. The discipleship process is a process that, that takes some time. It takes some energy. It takes some resources, right? And what that is, that's investing in someone else. Right? Teaching them, that's an investment in others. And that's what our calling is, is to invite and invest. And he promises us this. He promises that he will always be with us. Right? We don't go into this alone. Right? We don't go into this big ask by ourselves. We go into it with him. And as a Christian, if we call ourselves a follower of Christ, it's who we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. As a church, it's who we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. Again, last week I said until every person has been reached for Christ, the church still has a job to do, right? The church, big C, meaning more than just life change church, but the church has a job to do. Until every person knows Christ, has a relationship with Christ, you as a follower of Jesus have a job to do. We're called to invest and invite. And if you remember from last week, we talked about how we do that with our lives. We do that with, with how we live. In fact, we learned that your witness to others hinges on what others witness in you. And we're called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to be the light of the world. And this week, what I want to do is I want to take this whole concept of investing, inviting, take this whole concept of evangelism and, out, and outreach. I want to make it a little bit more practical and give you really the, the how we do this, but more, more of when we do this and who we do this with, right? So here's really the main idea and what I want us to walk away with today is this. The cues tell us the who's. The cues tell us the who's. And a cue is this. It's something said or done that serves as a signal, right? The truth is we don't need to force evangelism. We don't need to force outreach, nor should we, right? Nor should we force that ask, nor should we force these things because the cues tell us when to make the big ask. The cues tell us who we should invite, when we should invite them. The cues tell us who we should invest in and when we should invest in them, right? The cues tell us the who's. It's kind of like the, uh, the game, uh, the guessing game. How many of you guys ever play the guessing game at home? Some of you guys are thinking, are we playing the guessing game now? Like, what is the guessing game, right? So for the Huffman household, we like to play the guessing game, and we actually make up the rules as we go along. Each guessing game is different. So there's sometimes uh, we will just say, hey, something's, when Berkeley comes home, she says, guess what happened at school? So that's the beginning of a guessing game, right? Now, I love to play the guessing game. Berkeley loves to play the guessing game. My son Griffin, he's hit or miss with it. My wife hates the guessing game, right? So she's like, just tell me the answer. Get to the point so we can move on. But for Berkeley and I, we love the guessing game. So we play a lot. She'll come home from school and she'll give me something. I, she's like, guess what happened? So we'll start off. I'm like, I have no clue, Burke. That's a big guess. Where are we going? Give me a hint, right? Give me a clue. Give me a cue. So she'll do that and then she'll give me one cue and then I might not hear it. And then we may go from one cue to five cues to 10 cues, right? And to 15. And then finally I'm like, I give up. And then she'll tell me what it is. And I'll be like, oh yeah. But why I don't get it is oftentimes because, I'll just be honest, there's some times where I'm, I'm talking with my kids, and sometimes I just hear words, but I'm not necessarily there, right? And the guessing game can sometimes do that. And I'm there, and I'm like, but I'm missing out. Like, when I'm doing that, I'm missing on the clues that she's giving me. I'm missing out on the cues and the hints that are always there. And the truth is, I think we do this in our spiritual lives. Right? I think we do this with others as well. In our regular lives, I think we miss out on some of the cues and the hints that are right in front of us that people are giving to us, that people are almost begging for us to invest in them, that people are almost begging for us to, to make an invite. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how we can get better at that. And we see an incredible example of this in Jesus himself, right? Jesus was amazing at this. He was amazing at, at picking up on the cues and digging in deeper to even find more as well. And we see an incredible story in the book of John 
chapter 4, verses 1 through 26, with uh, Jesus and the woman at the well. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend the rest of the day right there in John chapter 4, and we'll read through these verses. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me, and we'll start off here right in verse 1. It says this, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee. Right? So before we actually jump in, I'm, I'm just going to stop right here, because there's a couple little lessons that I think we can see here. One is a, is a, is a pretty interesting leadership lesson here. It shows that, that Jesus, it says that the disciples, or the, the Pharisees, heard that Jesus was gaining more disciples and was baptizing more. But then it goes quickly to the fact that it says, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptizing. Right there from the start, it shows that Jesus in his ministry was equipping and empowering his disciples. So when we go and we're called to, to invest and invite, understand this. We are equipped and empowered. Right? We're equipped and empowered. In fact, Jesus wants us to play that portion of that. He wants us to live that out. He wants us to play that role. He wants us to, to walk in obedience with him by being equipped and empowered and walking that out. And then in, this first two, in these first two verses, it says that uh, the disciples, it says that the Pharisees were, were keeping track of something. Again, through this series, I've talked about how it's not about a scoreboard, right? There's no tally system. It's not a number that we keep track of. But what's interesting, if you look at it, the people that were keeping track of it, the people that were keeping a tally system, were the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders at this time. And what's interesting about it, if you look at the Pharisees, obviously the Pharisees were on the opposite side of Jesus, right? They found themselves on the opposing side of Jesus. But they're keeping track of this, and they're watching, and they're watching after this. And I think many times when we keep track of numbers, when we're tracking down, it turns, we turn into, into the Pharisees. We turn into these religious leaders that find themselves on the opposing side of Jesus. See, for them, they were keeping track of this because of their own jealousy. And that's really what happens. I think a lot of times, we, when we play the comparison game, we live in a life of jealousy. We live in a life of jealousy that keeps us from moving forward with what we're really called to do. If you look at the Pharisees, this is where they were, right? This is where they were. They were in competition with others. And as Christians, listen, we are not in competition with anybody else. As a church, we are not in competition with anybody else. We're not in competition with other churches down the street. We're not in competition with other Christians. We're not in competition with anybody else. In fact, you're thinking, thinking like, well, dude, are we in competition with Satan? Listen, Jesus already won that battle. We're not even in competition with him. We just have to relay and rest on the victory that's already there. When we start tracking things, when we start counting things, we forget that the battle and the war has already been won. We need to remember that. Right? So we're not in competition because competition leads to jealousy as well, which is where the Pharisees found themselves. Right? They found themselves really living off of their own kind of religiosity, or if you will, right? their own premonitions, their own rules and regulations. And I think so many times we try to do that as well. And when that transfers over into inviting and investing in people, it's more of a burden than it is a freeing thing. We're called to invest so that people can experience the freedom of Christ. So that's the first two verses. We'll get in here in a second, though. But Jesus, here he is. He left Judea because he headed back, and he was headed back to Galilee because Galilee was safer. Now, again, the Pharisees, they're the ones keeping track, and they're seeing that Jesus actually had more disciples, had baptized more people than John the Baptist. Now, if you look into it, the Pharisees obviously didn't like John the Baptist because, well, they cut off his head. So Jesus is thinking, like, this is probably not good. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next place. So he goes to a safer place here, and as he's traveling, it says this. It says, verse 4, now he had gone through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground, of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. So here's Jesus in this town, and he's traveling through this town right midday, like right at noon, in the hottest part of the day. Now, the well, the well is a common place for people to go hang out. Like, it's a common ground. Everybody would go there because obviously everybody needed water, right? So the whole town would sometime be at the well. It's a common ground. It's a common place where people would go. But they wouldn't go there in the middle of the day. Right? This is the hottest part of the day. They, they would usually go in the morning when it was cool or later in the evening when it was cool. So here's Jesus, and he's coming midday, really, when nobody would typically be there. But it continues on in verse 7. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So here's this woman who is there in the middle of the day. And she's there with Jesus, right? And there's just a couple cues that we can pick up on that Jesus picked up on right away based on this fact. Number one, here's this woman and she's getting her own water. This is a cue of where she was economically, right? At that time, most people would not get their own water unless they fell into the line of like a poverty level. So here's this woman is showing her economic level here because she's getting her own water at noon. And then number two is the timing in which she actually got her water. She's going at noon. She's going midday. She's going at a time where nobody else would be there, right? And she knew this. So this meant that she felt uncomfortable around others or others felt uncomfortable around her. So Jesus is seeing this and he's picking up on these cues. In fact, this woman probably came there after he, she saw the disciples walking into town, she's thinking that she's going to the well alone, not really realizing that Jesus has stayed back, right? So Jesus picked up on these cues and then begins to engage in conversation with her. Verse 9 continues, and it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So again, set the stage here. Jewish people and Samaritans, they didn't associate or get along at all during this time, right? It went against every social norm for them to talk. It went against every social norm for, for them to, to stay together and to be in the same common place together, right? Against, against any regulatory practice. It's kind of like a, during football season. If you're an Ohio State fan, listen, you just don't go to Ann Arbor, right? This is what that is, but probably this is multiplied a, a bunch beyond that, right? So many times, though, I think what happens is, is when we, when we fall into a category like this, there may be cues, but we overlook them because of our culture. There may be cues around that we may see, but we, but we just kind of brush them by because it goes against the social norm. But here's Jesus, and he's going beyond the culture at this time because he knew. He knew that the big ask, he knew that inviting her and investing in her goes beyond just the culture, and it even goes beyond physical needs as well. So it continues on, it says, Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. So here's Jesus and what he's doing, he's setting the stage right here. He's kind of foreshadowing about what he's going to tell her next. He's kind of foreshadowing the fact that he's going to tell her that he's the gift of God and that he's the water of life. So she replies here in verse 11, says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock. So here, this part's kind of interesting to me. Here's Jesus, and he's engaging in conversation with her. He's really building up to, to invest in her, to even invite her. But what happens? He immediately gets resistance from her. She pushes back a little bit. She starts to, to go against what he's saying, right? And I think for many of us, I think for many of us, when we experience any type of resistance, what do we do? We bail, right? 
We bail. That's the moment we quit because we fear that feeling of rejection. We don't want any of that resistance. We fear that feeling of, of somebody doubting us. Like it's okay for us to ask a question, but how dare somebody else ask us a question, right? We don't like that, right? But here's what's amazing. Jesus, Jesus really, he, he loved the resistance because he took it as another cue, right? It was an opportunity for him to, to read more and even to get to some more cues to show who he was, to tell about who he was. And again, it goes back to what we talked about last week. What is it? It's show and tell, right? Investing, inviting somebody is showing and telling what we have, showing and telling all about Jesus. So this is what Jesus does. He's digging in a little deeper. And he's responding to this cue, and he says this in verse 13. He says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, Jesus is setting the stage. He's setting her up for for her to to fully experience who he is. He's investing in her so that he can invite her as well. Then verse 15 says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Here at this point, like, she's in. Right? She's at the point where, she, where she's in. She doesn't quite understand what she's in with. She doesn't know, really understand who all Jesus is, but she's there. Right? She's ready to jump in. And this is where it gets good. Verse 16 says, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. So you're thinking like, dude, this is, look at Jesus. He's going for like a two-for-one deal here, right? Like he's, dude, he's good at this, like asking questions stuff. He's all about this inviting investing. But again, no, it's not about the numbers. It's not about a tally. Jesus is actually doing something interesting. Right? He's, he's not worried about a scoreboard. He's about to read her mail, and it's about to get real because he's seeing these cues, and he's about to dig into some real issues here. Right? So in verse 17, she says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Some of you think, like, say what? Like, Jesus, really, dude? You just, like, outed her sins. Like, this is, some of you think, like, dude, this is why I didn't come to church for years. Like, this is the, this is the moment that I feared. This is why, like, sometimes I'm still nervous to walk in. Like, I had a rough week. Like, what if Corbin just straight outs me, right? Some of you think, like, this is why I don't invite people. But understand this. Look at where Jesus was. He was with her, and he was alone with her. He didn't do it in front of his disciples. He didn't do it in front of the town. He didn't do it in front of all our friends. And he wasn't doing it to embarrass her. He didn't out her sins to make her look bad, but rather to build her up. He was listening to these cues. He was listening to these things, and he looked at them, and he, he outed this so that she could get really to, to the deeper part of it, right? to get to the root of the issue, right? to show her purpose, right? to invest in her, to invite her. I think a lot of times, I think we overlook people's problems and we just move past people's problems when they tell us about them and we're looking past the cues that they're really searching for help, right? Because those problems, those problems are cues, right? A struggle is a cue for a need. When you hear somebody's going through something, when you hear somebody's going through a struggle, it's a cue for a need. It's a cue for something deeper. When you hear that somebody's wrestling with some type of sin issue, listen, that issue is just a surface level thing. There's something deeper, right? They're searching for something more. When you hear somebody's going through a struggle, when you hear something going through, going through something and, and they, they feel like they're completely hopeless, guess what? It's a cue for something deeper. If you look at Jesus, he goes to this woman. The struggle was that she had five husbands, and the one she was with wasn't her husband now, right? That's the struggle, right? But what it was is a cue for something deeper. It was a cue for the fact that she's been searching for belonging. 
She's been searching for connection somewhere. She's been searching for security. She's been searching, searching for purpose, right? She's been searching for love. She's been searching for who Jesus truly is. So it continues on. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. That's the best way to reply to somebody that reads your mail. Dude, I can see that you're a prophet. Like, you're good. I'm out. Let's, let's, let's roll right here. But he says, she continues on and says, Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So again, the difference between Jewish people and Samaritans, right? And she's going back to that. She's saying, hey, there's some, there's some cultural differences. There's some religious differences. There's some big things. That, there's a hindrance in between that. I can tell that, dude, you're real. You called me out, but I still need to feel some sense of belonging. So how do I do this, right? This is what she was saying. She's looking at, she's looking for love. She's looking for purpose. So Jesus then invites her, right? So check this out. Verse 21 says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Right? Jesus is changing some things up here. It says you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Again, salvation comes from Jesus. Jesus is a Jew. Right? So salvation comes from him. Jesus is setting this up again. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So Jesus is saying, you know what? There's a time coming where some things are changing and the time is coming now. So she replies, she's like, the woman says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. She's like, hey, I've heard of some cool things happening, right? Then Jesus, here's the invite right here. Verse 26, it says, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Here's Jesus. He overlooked all the distractions. He overlooked and, and he even broke the barriers of the social norms at that time, right? He overlooked those and, and saw the cues through it all. He saw the cues even through her life, the mess that was her life, the poor decisions that was her life, the, 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 uh, the, the things that she's struggling with. She, he overlooked all of those so that he could invest in her and so that he could invite her and tell her who she is, he is, right? And the rest of the story is pretty incredible. I'll summarize the rest of the chapter, but it goes on and shows that this woman went back to her town. This woman went back to the place where, where everybody knew her mess. Right, this woman went back to the place where, where she would often keep a distance from all these people. And then she shared what Jesus had said. She shared who Jesus was. And because of it, it says many people believed. In fact, they came, they found Jesus, they spent time with Jesus. And it says this in verse 42. It says that they said, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Listen, if we get through the cues, if we get through all the obstacles and we actually listen to the cues and respond to the cues, Imagine what could happen. Imagine a town coming back and saying, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What if we paid attention to the cues and those around us? Right? What if we got past ourselves, past our own, our, our own really likings, and, and what if we actually listened to others? What if we were able to break down some social norms so that we could worship in spirit and truth together? What if we were able to invest and invite people so that they could truly experience the Messiah? The cues tell us the who's. And we need to understand. What I love about this whole thing is that Jesus broke down the walls between the Jews and the Samaritans. There's a lot of walls, and I think we've put some fake walls up in our own lives as well. But we need to break down the walls between us and whoever doesn't know Christ. Right? We need to break down those walls with the power 
of Jesus because Jesus didn't just die for you. He didn't just die for me. He died for everybody outside these walls right here. And we're called to go share that with them. We're called to go invite them into that relationship with Jesus. We're called to go invest in them so they feel and they experience the love and who Jesus truly is. The cues tell us the who's. And really when we understand that, that big ask is a little less scary. Inviting and investing people, that showing and telling, outreach and evangelism is a little less frightening. It's a little less nerve-wracking. So let me just give you... Three practical ways, three practical clues and cues that, that you need to be paying attention and that you need to watch for in your life. And as we go through this, there's probably some, some cues and clues that maybe somebody's name will come up in your mind as we go through these. But there are really three knots. So number one is this, the not going well, right? When things are not going well, when someone tells you things are not going well, it's a cue, right? It's a cue. If you look at the woman at the well, things were not going well for her. Again, she was at the well at noon. She was trying to hide from all these people. She was an outcast in her own area and in her own social norms, right? She was an outcast. So things were not going well for her. Again, she had five marriages, and the man she was with now was not her husband. So clearly, she had made some poor decisions. She had made some mistakes, right? She was living some of the, some of the repercussions of this as well. So things were not going well for her. And Jesus saw it as a cue. Jesus saw it as a cue that he, he began to, to dig deeper in as well. Listen, when we hear things are not going well for people, what do we do? Do we see it as a cue? Do we see it as an opportunity to invite and invest others? I think about it. What do you do when someone tells you that, that things are not going well? For some of us, I think what we do is we kind of run the opposite way. For some of us, I think we, we feel like dude, we've got enough problems. We don't want anybody else's problems on us, right? So when somebody says, oh, you know what, things just aren't going well with my marriage, we're like, oh, I don't want any of that on my marriage. Good luck with that. I'm out. I'll see you later. Like, I'll be praying for you, but I'm going to be praying for you from a distance, right? But let me just, let me just tell you, you were never meant to carry that burden of somebody else, right? In fact, you weren't even meant to carry your own burden. A lot of times I think we walk around and we feel like we have so much baggage and because we're holding on to it, when Jesus is there saying, dude, let go. Like, let me just have that. Let me just take that from you, right? So when we hear something's not going well for somebody else, and we need to be there. We need to move closer to them and help them take that baggage, not so that you're carrying it, but so you're, that you're directing it to the true burden carry, so that you're giving it back to Jesus, the one and only person who can ever carry that in the first place. Don't run away from it. I think many times when we hear somebody's going through something hard, we think, man, I just, I can't do it. I can't carry anymore. But listen, you're not meant to carry that, right? So think about it. What do you do when you hear somebody, when a marriage is struggling? When, when somebody, maybe another thing somebody goes through is, is a loss of a, a close loved one, right? Death is a struggle. When things are going well, things, death is in one of those moments when things just aren't going well. What do we do? Do we come alongside them or do we, or we just bail? What do you do when someone tells you that, you know what, their kids are completely out of control, right? It's a struggle, what do we do when, we, when somebody tells us that? Do we give them just a list of books and say, these are step one through 240, good luck. Listen, it's not what we do. We need to empathize. We need to sympathize with them. And we need to walk life with them. We need to hear and truly listen. And then we need to point them back towards Jesus. We need to invite them back into, into that walk with Jesus. Invest in them. Right? Think about it. When you hear something's not going well, do you step in and try to help? Do you journey with them or do you just keep going? 
For some of us, one of the greatest things we can do is share our story with them. And one of the favorite series that we do each year is we share stories in the summertime. And it's amazing. Every single story we've ever had, we've had somebody else in the congregation be like, dude, I, I connect with that so much. Like, that's literally my story. You just have a different face than me. And what it is, is God. It's God working in and through each of our stories. And each one of us have a story. So when somebody says something's not going well, what if, what if we went through something similar to that? A lot of times we don't like to share that because we're embarrassed by it. But the truth is, God gave us that story so that we could help somebody else, so that somebody else could see how, how we came out on the other side better with the help of Jesus. So we need to share our story. Right? So think about it. this week. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be aware. When someone tells you that things aren't going well, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be aware. Right? See it as a cue. See it as an opportunity to invite and invest in them. See it as an opportunity to share your story. See it as an opportunity to, to maybe even say, you know what? Things weren't going well, something similar like that. I tried church out, right? I tried, I tried this whole God thing out, and, and check out what happened. It's crazy. Like, my life is it's not perfect. In fact, it's still a hot mess on Tuesdays, but Wednesday sometimes is good, right? right? Share a little bit about what's going on. Right? So cue number one is not going well. Cue number two is not aware or not prepared, right? When someone tells you that they're not aware of something, well, you're not, they're not going to tell you they're not aware, but when you see that they're not aware about what's about coming ahead, right, when they're not prepared for it, man, it's a cue. It's a cue to jump in and help. If you look at this woman at the well, she was not aware that she was talking with Jesus. She was not aware about what was to happen next. She wasn't even prepared for it as well. It goes back to her question, like, where do I worship, right? She wasn't prepared for, for what was coming next. And the truth is, there's times in our lives where we're not prepared for what's coming next. There's people around us that, that are not prepared for what's coming next. Life throws us some curveballs. I don't care who you are. You've got a couple of curveballs thrown to you. And you're oddly not prepared. There's people around you the same way. And when you hear about it, it's a cue. It's a cue to jump in. It's a cue to help them, right? Listen, some just examples of some curveballs are on the, on the bad side, again, the loss of a loved one, right? Somebody experiences death from somebody close to you. That's a curveball. But what that is, it's a cue. That's a cue for, for us to rise up and actually be the church. Not the, not the walls of the church, but to be the body of the church and to show someone love, to support them through it out. And then there's some good curveballs that happen, right? Things like engagements. I don't care who you are. The engagement's great. The time for the wedding planning is a little bit different. And there's some things that happen that you're like, dude, am I marrying that person? Wowzers, right? And then you do get married and like nobody's ready for marriage, right? Uh, there's, nobody's ready for what the, the, everything real comes out in a marriage, and it comes out in the first year of the marriage. Nobody's ready for that. But when someone tells you they're going through that, guess what? That's an opportunity to jump in. That's an opportunity to invest in them. That's an opportunity to invite. And then engagement, marriage, and then sometimes comes the baby, right? And listen, that's, nobody is ready for that. I don't care if it's your first child or your fifth child. Nobody is ready for that. Those are just some things. When, when somebody tells you that they're unprepared, it's time to jump in. Like a new job is another one. If somebody says, hey, I got a new job, chances are they're not necessarily prepared. Right? There's, a, there's a new level. There's a new struggle that they're going to experience. Are you choosing to be there? Or are you just going to be like, oh, good, boy, and walk away? No. Use them as an opportunity to invite, invest. So number one, not going well. Number two, not prepared. Number three, not connected. Right? And this is a cue that we observe more than we hear about. Right? This is a cue that we can, we can see from a distance rather than somebody's actually going to come up and say, I'm just not connected. Right? I, just, I just feel lonely. No, you're going to see it and see it from a distance. And it's not because they're by themselves, but it could be the way people act. Right? 
Again, if you look at this woman, she was at the well during noon. She was at there at a time where she didn't want to be around anybody else. She was at there at a time where, where she was completely disconnected. She was disconnected from her culture, disconnected from those around, disconnected from her community. And the truth is, right now, we live in a time where, where people are very disconnected. We're connected electronically, but we're so disconnected emotionally. And rather than looking at that as an obstacle, what it is, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to invest and invite them and to let them experience who Jesus truly is. Today, there's more people unchurched in the, in the history of the United States than, than there's ever been. There's more people that see church as, as really an unnecessary, as being irrelevant to today's time. Listen, that's not an obstacle. That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. What that is, that's a cue that people aren't connected. What that is, that's an opportunity for us to walk in obedience. That's for us for an opportunity to to live out the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, to share who Jesus is and to show and tell what he can truly do. But we have to listen. We have to pay attention to the cues. The cues tell us the who's. So as we're closing, and as I was talking today, maybe, maybe a name came up today. Maybe there's a name that's in your mind right now that maybe there's some cues that were just pretty blame. Maybe things aren't going well for them. Maybe for them, maybe they're, maybe they're not connected, right? Maybe they're not prepared for what's next. Listen, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to write that name down. And not only that, I want to challenge you to, this week, I want to challenge you to invest in them. Maybe for you, maybe that's just taking them out to coffee. Listen, we love for all your friends to come to church. But I'd love more for them to know Jesus and to see Jesus through you. So maybe for you, maybe that's just to take them out to coffee and show them some love. Maybe that's to, to let them experience it. And maybe that's to share your story. Maybe you know somebody that's going through something similar to you, but you're embarrassed about your story, so you never want to share it, so you're kind of hiding back. Maybe for you this week, you need to invest in somebody and share your story with someone so that they can see the hope of who Jesus is. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to write that person's name. And then this week, go invest in them. Go invite them. Use this as an opportunity to live out the Great Commission. If you would, please take out the, the connection card in the seat back in front of you. And again, maybe, maybe God's asking you to, to put somebody's name down there, right? Write that name on that connection card. Now, I'll tell you this. I'll be praying for you, and I'll be praying over that person with you if you put that person's name on that connection card. Maybe for you, maybe God's asking you to put a person's name. Maybe God's asking you to, to just to get over one of these cues. Maybe you're kind of like me. There's some times where I walk through life oblivious and I'm so narrow focused, I'm just moving forward that I miss out on some of the cues. Maybe one of these three cues is something that you always just, you just completely drive right by every single time. But God's saying, slow down enough to pay attention to it. And one of those cues is what God's asking you to, to really jump in and hone in on this week. I want to challenge you to write it down. And maybe here today, maybe there's some cues that Jesus has been giving you that you haven't been paying attention to. Maybe for you, you came in today, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but he's been, he's been kind of edging you, kind of nudging you with the people that are around you. And today you want to make that commitment to follow him. If that's you, if you never made a decision to follow Jesus, or you did, but we've walked away, and you want to make that decision again. I want to give you that opportunity. What you can do on that connect card, there's a box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Check mark that box. And then believe that Jesus loved you so much that, that he died for you on a cross. And he was risen again so that you could have a relationship with God.
you would take a moment to fill that out. There's also a place for prayer requests where we would love to partner with you in prayer. And if Seth will be up in just a moment to explain the next thing. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.